Isaiah covers chapters 13 through 39. It's uh, entitled Prophecy and Judgment. Isaiah was a prophet of the Lord for nearly 50 years, serving four kings before Manasseh martyred him by stuffing Isaiah in a hollow log and then being sewn in two. That event is not in the scripture, but part of a long-standing martyr tradition. King Uzziah ruled Ju Judah for 50 years and by all accounts was a good king until his last four years, when he openly usurped the function of the priest and rashly performed the sacrifice permitted to be done only by priests. He, in essence, desecrated the temple and spent the last four years as a recluse, as a leper. Now, a reference in 1 Corinthians 3, 16, 17, and I quote, Do you know that you are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. End quote. That is treated <clears throat> with gross disrespect, violation to God's temple. Question. How do you see yourself in this verse? Spiritually or physically? Do we sometimes read on the holiness of God? Review Isaiah 6, 1-8 and grasp the soul-shaking experience when one truly sees the majesty and holiness of God. Last week was about the sins of Judah being exposed and pronounced judgment on the coming, coming times. In chapter 12, in a passage full of praise for God in that day when his anger will be turned away and salvation for his chosen people will arrive. In chapters 13 through 23, judgments are pronounced against a litany of nations that surround and offend Judah. First, there is a judgment against Babylon. And it seems to me to be clear that Babylon will be destroyed, but it isn't clear when. This, this dialogue may have an element of eschatology as found in Revelation chapter 17 and 18, which pictures a revived Babylon that will be ultimately destroyed during the tribulation. Babylon in all scripture represents every evil, arrogance, and pride which is opposed to God. In chapter 14 of Isaiah, as the judgments are being pronounced, the language used transitions from addressing a human king to something more which appears to be Satan. There is a companion verse in Ezekiel 28, which changes from addressing the king of Tyre to Satan, as he is called the signet of perfection. Chapters 24 through 27 contain Isaiah's prophecy of the end times. Digest, if you will, the opening of this section in chapter 24, one and three, and I quote, Behold, the Lord will empty the earth and make it desolate, and he will twist its surface and scatter its inhabitants. The earth shall be utterly empty and plundered, for the Lord has spoken this word. End quote. It gets worse. Verse 17 and 18. Quote, Terror and the pit and the snare are upon you, O inhabitant of the earth. He who flees the sound of the terror will fall into the pit. End quote. That truly describes a bad day at Blackrock, the day of the Lord. <clears throat> Did you ever give any really thought to the day of the thought, what the day of the Lord means? Another question, or do you just rest comfortably in the, in the promise of the rapture? We need to live this day in light of that day. 
1 Thessalonians 4, 15 through 17 in the New Testament defines the rapture. But the Old Testament version, to me, is more complete. And I'll quote in Daniel 12, 1. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been seen there will never, in that nation at that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered everyone whose name shall be found written in the book, end quote. Each of us should be fully aware of chapter 4 of 1 Timothy, but specifically verse 12 and 13, quote, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, and while evil people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, end quote. At this point in Isaiah, God's people are under the severe threat of the Assyrians that have brutally crushed the northern kingdom and either killed or sent the population into slavery in other countries. Then God, in chapter 35, gives his people a promise of a kingdom, blessing a future peace, and full vengeance on their enemies. God's promise to his people were to encourage them to strengthen their weak knees and rest fully on God and not fall into fear of the future. The land and the people would be healed. Recommend that you read chapter 35 for yourself. It is only 10 lovely verses. In the final four chapters of this first section, <clears throat> chapters 1 through 39, there is a well-known Bible story about Hezekiah and his confrontation with the Assyrians. The Assyrians have destroyed the northern kingdom and captured every fortified city in Judah except Jerusalem. The Assyrians surround Jerusalem and issue threats to total annihilation if they do not surrender. The commander threatening Jerusalem slanders the Holy One of Israel and places him on the same level as other gods, which could not save Israel or other fortified cities. Finally, the Assyrians put their threats into a letter to Hezekiah, who seeks counsel from Isaiah. Isaiah tells Hezekiah to take it to the Lord. Hezekiah, after sackcloth and ashes, goes to the temple and lays it all out before the Lord. It seems to me that should be our standard approach to dealing with potential problems. Cast your care upon the Lord. God hears Hezekiah, and that night kills 185,000 Assyrian troops due to in their sleep. Jerusalem is spared, but the nation immediately turns back to total idol worship after the death of Hezekiah. The next talk will cover the rest of Isaiah, that is chapters 40 through 66. It could well be titled The Book and the Servant of the Conqueror. I'll close with a positive note and open Isaiah 25, 7 through 9. Quote, And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all people, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from their faces and a reproach of the people he will take away from the earth. For the Lord has spoken. He will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. End quote. Shalom and good day.